Welcome to Chieftain Roll Call. If you're a new listener, this is our fourth episode. We started in January. It's a show that promotes Chieftain Athletics and Chieftain students in general. I'm Bill Tipple with Rick Reed and Jack Varner. They're regular contributors. we got another busy show this week. We'll get a chance to talk with Jake Kennedy, who coaches basketball and football at BHS. We'll also look ahead to the postseason for Chieftain wrestlers and Chieftain swimmers. Our show each week is presented by Easton Water Solutions on South Main and Bell Fountain. Landon Gibbs again at the controls here in the WBCS studio. We record our shows on late Wednesday afternoon, then they come for play for all of us typically a few days later. Rick and Jack, welcome to another show. Good tips. Now, we got a lot of uh, students to spotlight, and Rick has coordinated this again. We're into postseason time, and first we want to talk about wrestling. What's going to happen there? And Jack's going to start that, that off. With. Wrestling. Wrestling just had their CBC meet at Ben Logan. Uh, they did pretty solid. Jeffrey Smith at the 106 weight class finished second in the CBC, 1-1. One and one. Came back from an impressive 8-2. He was down, got the pin to win the match. Great match. Zane Tevis finished third in the CBC, 3-1, and one, 132. Lost a tough match to a really good Graham kid. Oh, Parker Knox, 165 weight class. Fourth place, finished 2-2. Two and two, Maybe the most improved wrestler on the team. Had a really good season. Josh Steiner, the senior leader, finished sixth in the CBC, 2-3 and three at the 215 weight class as they get ready for districts moving forward. Enric, you used to be the, the wrestling coach, so I will tap into your expertise. Uh, what are you looking for out of a wrestling team or just even the wrestlers this time of the year? Well, you hope to be healthy this time of year, which isn't always easy with wrestling. Um, you know, you want to be like any sport. You want to be wrestling your best as you hit the CBC meet, and then the sections are coming up, uh, I think, next week, and then districts and on into state. Um, you know, wrestling's a long season. The winter sports in general are a long season. I've always thought a little too long, and I think – some of the other winter coaches would agree that um, they, the OHSA could probably shorten it up a little bit and do us all a favor. But, um, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of young guys, um, inexperienced guys, so you're just looking for improvement. Jack talked about uh, Tevis and Knox in particular are um, still, you know, Parker's been doing it for a few years, Zane for maybe a couple years. Um, definitely look like from the outside looking in, they improved. Uh, Parker had a pretty full weight class. He had to win several matches or a couple matches to get there. And Zane, Zane beat three kids. Um, looks like he's improved quite a bit. I hadn't heard of the Jeffrey Smith until recently. Um, you know, I know half the battle there is just fill the weight class. Um, so the fact they were able to get him out, I would guess he's a newer wrestler. So I don't know. Um, I don't remember him from the past. And then, you know, Josh has been around for a long time. They're down a few guys. Trent Kelly's out for the year. Um, I think they've lost a couple other people along the way. But they also had a couple ladies that wrestled at their district meet, uh, both Michaela Young at 100 pounds and Chelsea Horsley at 105 pounds, won their district tournaments uh, at Marysville. So they both qualify for the state meet. I think that's the, the, the third straight time. I think this is the third year of the girls' tournament. Um, Chelsea's been a, a state champion and a state runner-up. I think Michaela's placed third, I want to say. Uh, you know, both of them look to to try to uh, get as high up on the podium as they can here in a week or so. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about girls wrestling, and then we'll move on to swimming for the Chiefs. Uh, next year it becomes a sanctioned OHSAA sport when we talk about girls wrestling. And Rick was the head coach uh, probably uh, about seven or eight years, about seven years ago I think you gave it up. But did you see girls kind of, to me it's exploding here the last couple of years. Did you see this forthcoming back when you were the head coach? We, we had a lady, uh, Darby Newman, that wrestled for me for four years. Um, so it was, you know, there was girls that wrestled. It wasn't super common. It's out, it's become more common in the last few years. And I think Coach Hyatt told me when he was on the show last week that I think there was 500 and some odd girls that wrestled in the state of Ohio this year, which that's, you know, that's not bad. Um, and it does seem like it's growing, growing every year. Used to be you only saw lighter weight girls. I mean, and now they're filling even the upper weights, so uh, they got a little more balance across the board. Um, it's good for it's good for the sport from the standpoint of it gets more bodies out, and uh, it's definitely an area that has a lot of upside for growth. Now we had Chieftain swimming coach Sharon Lewis on a couple of weeks ago on Chieftain roll call, and she was pretty proud of her team. The boys' team finished second at the CBC. The girls' team was also runner-up at the CBC. Wasn't sure how the uh, 
sectional meet would go, but it went pretty well. And Rick has the results, and then, you know, who's going to be swimming at district this weekend? You know, it sounded to me, and certainly not a swimming expert, but it sounded like they, based on Coach Lewis's comments, even in the examiner, that they weren't sure that they would get any boys out, or at least not many. And um, they end up getting eighth place as a team. Uh, they qualified, oh, six, seven different events. The 200 medley, Blake McDonald, Elias uh, Abrigio, is that how you say that? I don't want to say that wrong. Nolan Kaur and Aiden Mifsud are part of the 200 medley. Um, that same crew also qualified in the 400 freestyle. And then they had some individuals qualify. Aiden Mifsud uh, qualified in the 200 in IM individual medley. Inner yes. individual yes. medley. I yes. think that sounds right. Yes. I'm certainly not. I apologize. I'm not a swimming expert. 100 freestyle as well for Aiden Mifsud. Um, the is is it a Brigio? Do you know? I think it's a Brego. A Brego um, qualified in the 200 IM as well, and the 100 butterfly, and then Nolan Core um, qualified in the 100 butterfly, and Johnny Fulmer uh, qualified in the 100 backstroke. So it it sounded to me like that was a kind of a banner day for them that getting that many guys out, you know, was a was a big deal for them. And then district is where really upticks I just know over years of, of watching this and covering it to get to state is very hard. The Southwest District, one of the best districts in the entire nation. It's very, very tough to get to state, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. And the girls swim team, you know, there's a little more history there of success as far as they've had some really high end girls um the last few years. They got fifth place uh, also at Trotwood in the sectionals, uh, qualifying for districts. Morgan Henry qualified in the 100 backstroke and the 100 freestyle. The 200 uh, freestyle relay uh, was Morgan Henry, Jocelyn Robinson, Gabby Stolle, and Olivia Olam. Qualifying in the 400 freestyle uh, was Robinson, Stolle, Olam, and Sarah Falmer. And then Sarah Fulmer qualified in the 100 free and the 100 backstroke. And then Jocelyn Robinson qualified uh, as an individual in the 200 uh, individual medley. And Jack's our student liaison. He's the young guy on our show. He's a sophomore student athlete here at BHS. Do you get to talk to any of these kids? I know you follow basketball. you got a lot of friends on the basketball team. But have you talked to many wrestlers or swimmers here the last couple of weeks about their their postseason aspirations. Oh, yeah. I've talked to a bunch of wrestlers. Um, not as many swimmers. I talked to Aiden Misfit as much as I can. Have World War II with them. Periods 1-2. Cool guy. Uh, wrestling. Some of my best buddies are in wrestling. Zane, Zane Tevis, Parker Knox, Josh Steiner, and Jeffrey Smith. Really good friends of mine. Um, yeah, they thought they did really good. I think they surprised a lot of people with how good they play wrestled. Um, Zane and Parker have only been wrestling for... Three, four years, I think. So, I mean, I think they're above where they probably should be for how long they've been wrestling. And Jeffrey, he just moved to the school, I think, this year. I think this is his first year here. But I think he's a, I think he's wrestled in the past, and he's a, he's been really good for us. He got a bye to the semis, but you know that happens sometimes in that lightweight class. Can't make him wrestle you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now, Jack, you're a bigger guy, offensive lineman. Have uh, you ever thought about being a wrestler? Oh, I was a wrestler. I was a district champion, some call me. <laughs> um, yeah, district champion one year, runner-up the next. Yeah, I wrestled for about seven years. Coach Reed was the guy, the coach, for about half those years maybe. Um, yeah, I wrestled. It helped me in football. Um, hung it up. Thought I was a basketball player because I got tall. Didn't work out. Now I'm full-time football. So in the winter, for a guy like you, what do you do as far as training? I lift uh, almost every day a week. Six days a week, probably, and I try to keep myself in shape, conditioning. Um, the football program does a really good job of, you know, especially when we get closer to spring, we'll do conditioning, we'll do football drills, and football can be an all-year sport, so if you really want it to be. Uh, got the got the bowlers also tips. Um, they competed at the CBC. I think uh, Gibby's going to give us a, a, his own version of the events. Uh, we did finish second at the CBC meet in the boys' bowling. Uh, Gibby and Bo Salyer uh, were both first-team CBC. Yeah, Landon Gibbs is here. He's also our producer. He's very important. The show cannot go on without him. <laughs> so he, he's, he and Rick are the ones that make it go, uh, along with our sponsor, Eastern Water Solutions and the Belfont High School Key Club. 
But uh, Landon, the CBC, I think, was uh, earlier this month, Northridge Lanes, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, it was um, at Northridge Lanes. It was last Friday, actually. No, okay. it ended up being last Tuesday because it was supposed to be the week before on During the Friday. Snowstorm. Yeah. Yeah, snowstorm. Yeah. And then it got canceled and moved to last Tuesday is when it got moved to because we left school and went. So what did you think of the team's finish? Um, I thought we did pretty well as a team. Just because we were up against a lot of good competition this year, just because there was a lot of new guys and a lot of new teams that had a lot of coaching to come from, and they just kind of grew as a team. But we had we had Brandon who was a new senior, and then a, we only we uh, we only had three returning varsity members, so it was kind of hard to kind of piece together to CBC meet like that because not everyone knew what we were doing, but. At the same time, we kind of did just because we've been through the season together. And the other thing that's important, this also ties into golf, if you follow these high school sports, it's it's not like, um, you know, maybe the postseason in basketball or football. You know, if the Chiefs are in the state finals, they win that game of football. They are the state champ. That's how it works. That's not how it works in bowling or golf. But from the bowling side of things, Landon, I, I know that the league meet is big, but it's as far as finish determining who wins the league championship – it's not just that meet. I wanted to have you explain that to us on how it works. So it kind of comes down to going into the CBC tournament, you are placed by how many wins you have. So you're given two points for every win you have throughout the season. And it's it come down to we were placed second going into CBCs, and then we placed second in the tournament. And since KR had us beat by those two points, since they beat us in the tournament as well, there was no way we were going to beat them to actually take the CBC title. What do you think happens, though, if you if the Chiefs finish first at the league tournament and Kenton Ridge is second? Do you still overcome them? Um, what it comes down to, if we get first and they get second, we would tie, and then it would go off our <laughs> highest Baker game, which okay. would they probably would have went won that because they had a 280 Baker game that day. Okay, so you would have needed to, the way I'm seeing this, you would have needed to win the CBC league meet and Kent Ridge to finish third. Does that get you the? Um, yeah, that's what we were looking at. We were seeing that um, if Jonathan Alder came up and beat KR and we got first, it would actually come, come down to that we would beat KR and um, J.A. would get third. So we noticed that we were hoping J.A. would do good, but at the same time we also needed to focus on ourselves to do good. Yeah. So, you know, second for the season. Is that pretty good? If I would have told you that November 1st? Um, I would have thinking it wouldn't have been – Pretty good, just because our team was young and we didn't have a lot of varsity members. So I was kind of, I was kind of skeptical at the beginning of the season on what was going to happen. I was scared we weren't going to have a winning record like we did, but we came out and once our team got together and we started to build that chemistry, we actually grew as a team and actually started to bring games together and actually like become one and start winning games right off the bat. And how about you and Bo Sally? You're making first team all league. Um, I was pretty surprised I made it just because the whole season I was sitting right at the bottom of first team just in pin for pin with someone every every week. But, Bo, it was a breeze. He got player of the year last year. The only reason he got beat out this year is because guy from Springfield, Shawnee, ended up bowling a 299 and a 289 almost in the same week, which boosted his average completely through the roof. My goodness, those are staggering numbers. So – you think you'll bowl after high school at all? Oh, I definitely will. I've already had some couple college offers to go, and I was planning on just – I've been looking at scores and stats of what I've been doing, and I'm planning on going for junior gold this year, which is a tournament that can get you to pro league, but it's more of learning the ways of that type of bowling. But it's also a big deal because at junior gold, if you're a senior in high school – or a freshman in college, you can either get a full ride for four years or you could get a three-year full ride for another college, depending on how you place it in your gold. And what was your average this year? Uh, my average ended up finishing 204 after CBC tournament. Now let's shift our attention to a couple of more winter sports. It's Chieftain Roll Call, our fourth episode ever. And uh, Rick has put together some other highlights for uh, girls basketball. They just lost a close one about a week ago, and then and boys basketball getting ready for the tournament. But first on the girls, Rick. Yeah, the girls finished up their season last uh, Thursday night, I think, uh, or maybe last Friday. I think it was Thursday. Thursday, uh, 
fell lost to Urbana in the sectionals. Really close game, 44-43, I think. Came down to the final possession. Um, Chiefs had a lead, I want to say, with a few minutes to go, and Urbana kind of went on a tear, scored like – I want to say someone said they hit three three-pointers like in the last minute or two of the ball game. Um, so that was a tough loss. I'm not sure. Have you heard that Urbana – has Urbana played since? They played last night and lost to Eaton uh, 68-53. Now, Urbana was way down. They were down by 22 in the first half and got it down to four in the fourth quarter. But Urbana's a – I think both these teams, Urbana and Bell Fountain, are young, up-and-coming teams. Urbana starts a couple freshmen, and I know you've seen the Chiefs. They're, they will lose some seniors, some good seniors, but they have some talent coming. Yeah, what, th- three three primary seniors probably, uh, Bionsky, um, Middle and uh, Shoemaker. Shoemaker. Yeah, so, yeah, good things to look forward to with the girls. And then the boys um, have played once since last time we talked. Um, we lost to Shawnee, I believe, last Friday night, and – now set to play Dunbar this Saturday, 1 o'clock in Springfield. Uh, that's that's a familiar type draw for the Chiefs. You know, over the years, the tough part about uh, Bell Fountain basketball is you draw into those Dayton City League schools, you know, a fair amount. And uh, I don't know much about Dunbar, but I'm going to assume they're pretty talented um, and can get it. They were like 11-5 and five at the draw, so they're maybe not what they were. I mean, if you go back um... – Oh, mid two thousands, Daquan Cook, who was yeah. a star for Ohio State, that's when they were really in their heyday. They won a couple of uh, either won one or two state titles, and were in the mix to get to Columbus, pretty much year in year in and year out for about a three or four year window. They're still good, and that's that sectional. You're going to have to play hard, really hard teams to even get out of the sectional. Trotwood, Madison, Dayton, Dunbar. Um, Lately, it's been Kettering Alter, who's in that sectional. The Chiefs drew last year, Dayton, Chaminade, Julianne. So there are some very – your first first or second game, you're going to play somebody really good. Yeah, it's tough. So, you know, let's let's hope for the best Saturday and, um, you know, hope the, the Chiefs can go down there and put their best foot forward. And, you know, you never know. That's why you play the games. And um, like we talked about last week, certainly have improved as the seasons went on and playing, you know uh, – our best basketball of the season. We've been playing uh, for the most part the last few weeks, so hoping for good things. Let's take a break, come back with more Chieftain Roll Call after this. Welcome back inside Chieftain Roll Call. I'm Bill Tipple with a couple of Belfound High School sophomores, two outstanding students. Austin Hammond and Oliver Moreland, both members of the VHS Robotics teams. There are a couple of teams, actually. And uh, they're getting set for a, a big competition in Lorraine in the northern part of Ohio. Austin, tell us more about it. Thank you, Bill. Um, so, yeah, we've been prepping for this competition for a while now. Um, it's really important to us um, that we make it a state tournament because um, one of the high school teams has in the past, I believe, five or six years. Um, so we kind of want to keep that legacy going. Um, I think it's really just important that, um, before we go, that we just make sure like everything's together with our, um, with our robot. Um, because sometimes you go to these competitions and you kind of get humbled a little bit because there's, you really don't know how hard some people are working for this. Um, so I feel that you just always have to be, you always have to be on top of the game and you always have to be working as hard as you possibly can. What do you like about robotics? Um, I really like the fact that. You're, you can work with other schools. Um, lately, we were um, allianced with a couple teams from North Union, uh, a couple teams from Elyria Catholic. Um, but I really just like the teamwork aspect out of it because um, the way the competitions go is it's normally two robots versus two robots. And you can be with, like, any schools. So we've been with North Union. We've been with Elyria. Um, we've been with uh, Akron STEM a little bit. Um, so it really just depends but what I really like is just being able to work together um, to achieve the, f- the final goal. Oliver Moreland is with us as well. Oliver, when did you get into robotics? What grade? Um, I've been doing this since sixth grade. I did it all three years in middle school, and then I didn't do it last year because of complications. But, yeah, I'm doing it again this year. What do you enjoy about the club and the team? Um. I definitely like the teamwork aspect of it, like within the team, like all you're all working together to build the robot and everyone kind of has their own different specialties. Like I am, I am our primary programmer 
and like other like Ryan, our driver, and then we have people like documenting the stuff that we do, like writing down like about our decision making process to really describe that because they judge that at competitions as well as the actual performance. So do the kids have to build a robot from the ground up? Yes. We were provided with parts, like the official the the company that runs it, Vex has us but you can buy parts from them and then but yes, we build it from the ground up. Well previous years I'll ask this to Austin as well. We'll still we'll hear Oliver's answer first. What have your robots been able to do in years past? Um they have a different game each year, like a different ways to score and play, but so you can't like reuse a bot and your bot, bot, all the bots look different every year. So in previous years, we've had to like, I remember my first year, it was like you were stacking cones on top of other cones and moving them around. And Hmm. you saw some really like giant bots that could stack like six foot high towers or okay. And and, uh, Austin, in years past, what have your robots been able to do? Um, I started in seventh grade, so I was one year after Oliver. But um, I remember in eighth grade, or it would have been seventh grade, I, the, our robot was able to, or the game that year, I believe, was called Turning Point. And you had to shoot balls up to these flags, and they also had these platforms that you drove up to. But, yeah, um, back to an, your previous question. What I really like is it changes every year. So you get, you get new game elements. You get a new way to play the game. Um, but, yeah. Um, this year the game is it's called Tipping Point. So you basically, there's these two platforms on each side, and then you have these mobile goal objects um, that each team is trying to fight for um, until the end of the match. And then you also have these, they're like donut-sized rings that you uh, put onto the mobile goal. Um, and that, that's been uh, a factor that helps teams win some, uh, win some matches. But, yeah, um, it's just really, it's really cool that, Every year it's different, um, so you don't have, like, the same bot every year. Now, the perception would be that these are – you and Oliver and all the team members are brainiacs and scientists and all that. Is that the way it works, or, or are there certain skill sets where maybe you're not the best science student in your class? Well, not necessarily. I believe that each member brings their own to the table. Like, I believe that Oliver's really good with programming. Um, I feel – I'm good with building things. But, yeah, to be in robotics, you don't always have to be the smartest of the bunch. You just have to have skills that can contribute to the team. How do you think the, the teams will do? And you're on different teams, so you can yes. answer. How do you think your teams will do in, in Lorraine? Um, I've got high expectations. Um, we recently had a competition last Saturday. It was at uh, Brexville Broadview Heights High School up in uh, Cleveland. Uh, we didn't place as well as we had hoped, but uh, we, got high ex- we have high expectations for um, – for this weekend. How about for your team, Oliver? Yeah, I think we'll do pretty well. Yeah. At, we, we kind of got a we kind of got a bit of a late start this season and it's 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 been a little bit of a rebuilding year because we had a really good team that graduated last year, you know, they they made it to worlds and stuff. So it's it's been it's been a little bit of a challenge. We've had we've had a couple of other guys who have come back on a couple of days. And the way it's scored, is it all on what the robot can do, or is there maybe like a written test? What, how does one team maybe beat out the other team? So at the competition, there is a, a series of matches where, where your robots compete and score, which is composed of uh, uh, the qualifying rounds, which are just random. Who, who is against who, and then, like, a tournament-style thing based on, like, rankings in the qualifying rounds. And then there is also another aspect of it, which is the design notebook, which is supposed to document all your decisions and your revisions of your bot and, like, your decision-making process and all that stuff. And who are the advisors or mentors or, you know, maybe some older people that help, help the Bofound Robotics teams out? Um, so we have, uh, Ms. Sandy Shervenak. She is in charge of the middle school robotics. Um, she recently handed over the high school robotics to, uh, Mr. Galen Miller. Um, and then we also have some seniors that come back, uh, Michael Wolf, Zane Warren, and, uh, Ben Parsons come back and help as well. 
Um, but as Ali mentioned, they've been very successful in their robotic history. Um, so I think it's re- very detrimental to our success to have access for their with their help. Favorite meet you've ever been to so far? I know it's only your second year in high school. Uh, yeah. Favorite meet? Um, I'd have to probably – do you mean high school or middle school? Either one. Okay. Um, so be- we're going all the way back to, I believe it was eighth grade. Um, it was up at Milford, up in Cincinnati. Uh, we made it all the way to the finals, and then – we unfortunately lost in the finals, but it gave us a uh, invitation to go to the state tournament that year. And uh, this year we made it to. It was a much harder competition, much harder comp, like much harder competition. Um, but yeah, we made it to semifinals at that one out of I believe sixty-five teams. So, um, but yeah. How about Oliver? Your favorite competition so far? You ever been a part of? Yeah. Um. Like I said, this is my first year doing it in high school robotics, so I'll have to go back to my middle school mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was this one where we, again, where we qualified for state. It was it was fun. We b- beat these two North Union teams in the semifinals to make it to the finals. And I think that was I think that was on the year when I was on a team with you, Austin. Yes, so that was the year we were together. That was, that was okay. Fun. And uh, last thing, guys, who's uh, your team members? Because, again, this are, these are two different teams here about yes. town. Austin, um, who's your teammates? Uh, I've got Cooper Harmon, uh, Garrett Brady, and then Haley Ball. How about for you, Oliver? And I'm on a team with Ryan Alexander, uh, Blaine Mitchell, and um, Annabelle Myers. Myers. Annabelle Myers, okay. All right, well, good luck to both of you with uh, your quest in Lorraine. If it goes well, does that mean you're state-bound? Yes, yes. Okay. And when is state? State is, I believe, March 11th or March 7th. Okay. All right. Thanks to Austin Hammond and Oliver Moreland. They're both members of the Belpound High School robotics team. They're actually on different teams. There's two foursomes that will compete in Lorraine this weekend. We'll come back with more Chieftain Roll Call. Joining us next will be Belpound coach Jake Kennedy after this. Welcome back inside Chieftain Roll Call. I'm Bill Tipple with Jake Kennedy, who is a Fountain boys basketball coach. He's also been a Fountain football coach and was a standout athlete here from the class of 2015. Time flies. It's almost been seven years. Jake, welcome into Chieftain Roll Call. we got a few segments for you tonight. Uh, first, we're going to talk some basketball. You were the freshman boys coach. The first team you've ever been the coach of, or it's just you. Correct. So yeah. what would you think now that the season is over? Um... Like I was telling you earlier, I uh, I didn't really know what to expect, um, but you know everything ended up being a lot a lot better than I thought at first. I was kind of unsure of my ability just because um, I played basketball here, obviously. But after I was done playing, it was never crossed my mind that I'd be coaching. Um, but it ended up being a lot better than I thought, and I had a lot of fun with a good group. Now that you've done it, what do you know that you didn't know three or four months ago? Well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert still by any means. Um, but the one thing I feel like I was able to do was just get the kids to play hard and uh, compete. And really at that level, that's most important. So when there was, you know, we could really get on the court and just run and gun and, and play hard, that was that was when we did well. As far as the X's and O's, um, I learned some things, but it was mainly stuff that I refreshed on from when I played. It wasn't like, you know, I was some mad scientist with the new – revolutionary offense or anything it was pretty uh basic stuff that we were doing what do you or the head coach which would be henry stolly what do they look for in a freshman team all of you fill in the blank it's a good season if if what we play as a team and uh for the most part i i thought we did a a good job of that and he was he was very proud and impressed with how they stuck together and just played hard all the way through who are your main players uh, we had 12 freshmen. We had, um, Alex Crable, Jake Salyer, and Deacon Miller were our main, uh, like guard scorers, ball handlers. And then we had, uh, some pretty decent post play with, uh, Carter Smith, um, Bryce Harris and, uh, Carter Yoder. So we had some decent size, some decent guards. Um, we were pretty complete for the most part, and that's how we were able to get 11 wins this year. You were eleven and nine. Yep. 
every coach wants to go back and think about this game or that game or what could, we could have, should have. If you could go back in time, what any games you would maybe do a little differently? Um, yeah, I uh, I would I would go back to the last game we played. So we had an interesting end to our season. We actually had a tournament game. We got smoked by London by about thirty points. Who ended up winning the tournament? Um, and two days off of practice, I get a text from Coach Stolly like, "Hey, um, Shawnee wants to play another freshman game, triple header. You up for it?" And I'm of course always always down for that. So after two days of no practice, I kind of like called the team out of retirement, and uh, we played a good Shawnee team who um, always played neck and neck with London. It was just a really good team. And uh, in the fourth quarter, with like three or four minutes left, we were up seven points, um, and we stayed in a zone. And one of their shooters went off and had like eleven points in in like two minutes, and they ended up beating us. So looking back, I wish I would have got more aggressive once we were up seven um, late in the game. So, I mean, that's the freshest game, and that's the, the yeah. one thing that sticks well, out. That happens. Would have been nice to finish with a win, yeah, and we did Yeah, that didn't. happens. Um, throughout the year, did your team play more zone, more man? How, what, what's your philosophy, or is that more of what the head coach tells you to do? Um, no, which, which was really nice, and what I really enjoyed was Coach Stolle, He would he would give me some help when I needed it, but he kind of let me do my own thing. And uh, we were a man team pretty much, like 95%. Um, White was only if if we absolutely needed it. And uh, Shawnee has a big guy who he's about 6'3", 6'4", good-looking, athletic, strong kid, and he was just killing us inside. So that's when we went to that White or 2-3 zone. And, uh, and, and we did well with it. We didn't practice it very much because I really believed in going man, um, especially early and how young these kids are. Um, but no, we were mainly man and we get in the zone sometimes and they did a good job with it. Now you played for coach Stolly and then, um, I think right after you graduate, he's, he switched to the girls. Yep. And, uh, how, how is he the same from what you remember when you were a player? That hasn't been that long ago, seven years ago. And how is it maybe a little different on things that maybe surprised you throughout the year? Well, I, he's still the, the same coach as far as, um, He's a very intense, uh, like, motivating individual. Um, he, he really knows how to get teams to play hard. Um, that's That was the case when I um, played for him. Um, so he's still the same in that manner. Uh, the, the biggest difference is just a lot of different um, offensive stuff. Uh, I think that's kind of with the personnel that we have, things are a little bit different. Um, focusing more on the half court and, and running sets through, which um, has done decent with, with the group that we have, um, whereas we were able to kind of do different things just um, with the type of talent we had when I played for them. We were able to, you know, spread the floor, run and gun and transition and things like that, whereas this group is more half court oriented and focused more on the half court. Um, similar sets, but just a little bit different. Um, working the ball around and trying to get good looks. What do you enjoy about being the head coach? What 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 gives you that that it that you you like coming into work each day? Um, I would say the kids. Uh, and and I told that group I really like that freshman group a lot. As far as just kids overall, even outside of sports, it was such a great group. And uh, and the the nice thing for me was just being able to walk into practice every day and be with them after school was truly a blessing and that's that was the best feeling for me being a head coach was like you know these kids look up to me and they and they want to work hard for me so just their reaction and the way they were coachable was was really awesome for me and that's you know that made me love it really how do they run practices are you there with the the jv and varsity no so the freshmen actually we have the ox gym so the jv and varsity will be in the main gym and then we'll have the ox gym to ourselves um, sometimes Coach Stolly will send some JV kids over to us, but we'd have it mainly. Anybody else help you with their coaching? Yeah, uh, Andy Crable helped. That's Alex's dad. Um, he helped coach this year, and he did a great job. Um, and he was he's a pretty knowledgeable guy. He's always researching and looking stuff up. And uh, he was kind of that side of it while I was more the voice. So he was he did a great job of, you know, giving advice or what, what do you think would work or stuff that he saw online or anything like that. So he did a really nice job for me. 
Was teaching and coaching something that was a career interest? We're talking with Jake Kennedy on Chieftain Roll Call this week. Is that something you thought about, you know, six, seven years ago? Not even close, honestly. Uh, once I – my my senior year of college, I finished my football season, and it didn't end how I wanted it to. And I had previously um, been offered a, a job for, through Stanley Steamer to be a branch manager, which as far as, like, monetary and benefits and stuff like that, I mean – it was something I really couldn't pass up, but just deep inside of me, I knew I, I wasn't, I, I didn't want to do that and I wanted to keep playing. So um, that's where I declined and within a month was signed to play overseas, which I also knew nothing about. Um, and it wasn't until when COVID hit, when I was in uh, getting ready to start my second season in Germany, I got sent home and had nowhere to go really. Um, I w- that was when no one was really sure about COVID or what was going to happen. So here I am at home, and everyone's thinking I'm like a creature because I'm. It was in the middle of COVID. You know, remember how hard it hit Europe. So everyone's staying away from me. They're like, "Yeah, two weeks, stay in that room, don't come out." My mom spraying me with Lysol, the whole nine. Um, and yeah, I, I kept training, kept hoping for a season. But you know, as things got tighter and tighter with lockdowns and stuff, I knew it, it wasn't really looking good. And that's when uh, Coach Brown and me had talked. Um, I had previously worked with some of the quarterbacks, um, so I've always been around Chief in football. And uh, that's he, he reached out and was talking to me one day, like, why don't you sub? Because here I am, I'm working at Ron's Pizza, delivering pizzas, not knowing any, not really knowing what to do, not knowing what plan B was. And uh, he reached out to me and was like, why don't you sub? And I – had never even thought about being a teacher. So I ended up doing it. And like within the first day or two, I just loved it. Um, the whole idea of being a teacher and coaching at the same time in the community that I grew up in, it was just just like that. It just felt right and everything felt meant to be. Well, good, good. Because in that in that, uh, that nowhere zone, that's got to be uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, it, it was for sure. Any other coach that's a mentor, and I know that you've played for a bunch because you played sports since you were probably, I don't know, five or six years old, organized sports. Any coach uh, that you uh, played with in, throughout the elementary, middle, high school, college, pros, that uh, maybe you have a couple names you want to throw out there that whatever he – and it might be a different sport than basketball, but whatever that coach did, you're going to use the rest of your career. Well, I've been lucky to have a lot of good coaches. Um it started young with Don Hensley. I'm sure he's a familiar um, oh, yeah. voice, personality for you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Don has – he was that – just that face when I was growing up, all sports. <clears throat> he had a stepson that was – that's Joey, and he was one of my buddies growing up, and he was always around me. I always wanted to be around him. Um, just a great mentor for me, and he's what sparked that competitive edge. <clears throat> what did he do? Or, or how did that happen? He was the he was a like a farm league coach. He was travel baseball football coach for the Blaze. Um, he kind of did everything. He was a basketball coach. But how did he spark it? Oh, he just he, he. I mean, he was intense. And at a young age, some kids were not able to handle the the pressure that Don would bring. And uh, I mean, he he wanted to win. And even when you know we're fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you just you gravitate towards that if you're, you know, you really want to compete. It's like this is a guy I want to go to war for even at a young age. I mean, I'm a little kid at that point. But, uh, yeah, he uh, he held us accountable. I mean, he would coach us hard. He would yell. He would scream. He would pat us on the back when we did a good job. He was truly a complete coach. Um, and that that's the root of everything. Um, and then on into middle school, um, had good coaches as well. Uh, high school the same. Uh, Coach Smith was was great for me. Um, honestly, without him, I probably wouldn't have went to play college football. I honestly maybe wouldn't have developed that confidence that I had as a as a Chieftain football player. Um, he kind of brought that out of me, and he, you know, built that up in me that I could be really good at, at playing. And uh, you know, and Coach Reed, obviously, he was the, the offensive coordinator for me, <clears throat> and he was good for me just for the fact that. If, if you're one of his guys, he's truly got your back. Like, if you, if you respect him and he respects you, 
Um, he's always going to be there for you until this day. If I need anything, even outside of football or um, whatever, we've developed a, f a friendship that, you know, will never be broken. Um, he's just a guy I've, you know, looked up to. I, I loved playing for him. Um, so, yeah, me and him will continue to build, and he t helps me every day. So, um, Coach, How about Joe Fincham? Yeah, I was just – I knew there. that was yep. going to be one of the names. Coach Fincham. Wittenberg. Yeah, Wittenberg's head coach. Um, now – resigned retired uh i i there'd be an unlimited list of positive things i'd tell you about him um just you know top to bottom you know you step on campus and there's just that that energy that he brings um it's it's just all football um he wants he wants the best out of you he's going to get the best out of you um he's maybe one of the best coaches in the country all divisions i i really would say that um just his record and his tradition and some of the athletes he's been able to breed to go through Wittenberg. I mean, here I am, this freshman kid running a, a five-second 40, not really caring about the weight room, not really sure if I could be good enough to play in college. And within one year, he had my whole mindset flipped into I can really dominate and be good. Um, and that's kind of what he did for everyone, and that's why Wittenberg's had such a strong t tradition is just because he's a player's coach. Um, and at the same time, he's just so passionate and competitive that, you know, every game that you play for him, you feel like you can win. And a lot of times that's kind of hard to do as a coach. And I felt that this year where there were some times it was like we'd step on the court against a really good team, and it's like I don't think I prepared him enough or I don't, you know, I don't think that was ever crossing his mind. It was like. I got my guys, they're ready to play, and we all felt the same. Like, he's our he's our leader, he's our coach, and we're going to be ready to play regardless. So he's been awesome for me. Jake, how is playing and coaching similar, and how is it different? Uh, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, I would say they're the same in the fact of you, you just – you put all your eggs in one basket for the fact of you, you want to win no matter what. So – um, as a player and as a coach, you can truly um, take advantage of a game or take control of a situation where, you know, you're always competing and you're passionate and, and you want to win so bad that wanting to win doesn't really change um, as a player and as a coach. It's it's like you want to compete and you want to take control of the game and win the game the same amount. Um, being a player, obviously, that's, that's unique in itself that you truly are in control, like – you know, playing quarterback, you got the ball in your hands every play. So win or lose, you truly, you know, that's why some people love playing quarterback, some people don't. It's like I'm taking all the blame or I get all the credit, and, and that's that's the truth. And, you know, coaches won't agree with that. Um, you know, they like to say, you know, the opposite, like we didn't plan well. But that's why I love playing so much was just the fact that no matter what I felt, Everything was through my hands, and, uh, you know, just competing and playing sports is so fun in general. Um, and I would say coaching is the next best thing. Um, just competing every day is a lot of fun. And how are they different? Well, one, you got pads on and you're knocking somebody loose, um, or you're on the court and you are trying to get a steal or make a layup, and the other one is, you know, you're not. Um, you're trying to get those guys ready. Uh you know, maybe coaching isn't as fun from being a player, but like I said, it's the next best thing, and you can truly, you know, make it what you want. And that's the great thing about sports, coaching and playing. What you put into it is exactly what you'll get out. So, you know, that's why I'm where I am, and that's why I love doing it. I want to ask you about varsity basketball, then we'll take a break, come back and talk some, uh, some football with you as well. That's where Coach Reed will jump in here. But the varsity basketball team, I know record-wise it's been a long season. Now, one of the things we talked about on Chieftain Roll Call, it's only our fourth show, is the team does appear in the second half to be, to be getting better. You know, what do you see um, as, as, I guess, a coach? Um, now you're an assistant coach at the freshman season's over. What's been the highs and lows of the season, and what have you seen in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it on the head when you said, you know, the second half we're playing much better. Um, we're competing every game, and the difference is I think the kids kind of have that belief. You know, we've rattled off a few wins. We've played tight with a couple teams. Um, 
really it took us a little bit to get going just for the fact that we weren't we weren't winning at all. So, you know, you could kind of feel it with the kids, like, all, like, you know, kind of getting down on themselves a little bit. But the biggest thing is that belief has kind of sparked them. And uh, Coach Stolle's done a great job of continuing to push them forward and, and build that confidence within them. And that's how we ended up with three wins after starting. I, I can't remember how many losses we had straight to start the season. But, um, you know, not only do we have – well, four wins now. Four. Four wins now. Yeah. Not only do we have four wins now, now we're able to compete <clears> – <throat> And, and play well through stretches of the game. Um, some teams who are just more um, elder or like older in positions or have more experience, those are the teams that are kind of able to break away and make those stretches on us. I mean, we're still a young team. Um, Gannon Purcell's our one senior, and he doesn't really get many minutes. So we're still a young team. I know you know it's just an excuse, but at the same time, a lot of these kids don't have experience, so they don't really know what it's like to win or lose yet. So the biggest thing is just that belief, and they can kind of feel it like they're starting to catch their stride and, and get things moving. Where do they need to grow between now and next season, though? Because, you, you know, when you played here, again, you had some really good teams, good, really good senior class in a lot of sports, but they're very successful basketball class. So development-wise, skill-wise, where do they need to grow? Um, I would say it starts in the weight room. Um, would be what I would say is just completely buying into being the best you can at the sport. And, and to me, that starts in the weight room. Um, athletically and just physicality-wise, mentally as well, just there's so many good things that come out of the weight room, and that's for all sports. So, you know, off of the weight room, the second thing was would be just kids competing in all sports. Um, you know, there's opportunities to play, you know, different sports – year-round for example basketball you can play AAU um, so you know for some players AAU is the route to go for some it isn't but just playing sports all the time I feel like uh, we're at a point in society where kids are wanting to get on their phones more or be on TikTok or you know whatever social media they're on rather than just getting out and, and playing sports um, not only does it help make you better in that sport but just the social aspect of being around, you know, kids your age is, is so good for your development that just playing sports a bunch and competing year-round in all sports, not just, you know, one sport, um, you know, talking to multiple coaches at the college level, they want kids that are playing multiple sports. Um, that's like one of the first thing they look for is because are they wanting to compete or not. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say the biggest thing is. And I got a stat for you. When we got to the final eight in the NFL playoffs, so the divisional round, the quarterbacks, so this is only eight players, seven out of the eight were three-sport athletes. Yep, exactly. The only one that wasn't was Matthew Stafford. He did baseball and football. But the other seven, three-sport athletes. So Exactly. It's, I it's mean, the proof's there. there. Yeah, right. Let's take a break. Come back. More Chieftain Roll Call. Rick Reed joins me. We'll continue our conversation with Jake Kennedy after this. Welcome back to our final segment of Chieftain Roll Call, sponsored by Eastern Water Solutions on South Main. The Buffalo High School Key Club is really the uh, the group that makes this show happen, and uh, we thank them. We thank Landon Gibbs from the WBCS studio for being at the controls, and Rick Reed pretty much every week puts our show together with guests. There's always something to talk about. Rick's back on the microphone with Jake Kennedy, and Rick, uh, a few minutes ago, I don't know if you were within earshot, but uh, Jake Kennedy said that you were really one of his mentors, one of his coaches growing up. I don't want to flip it around to you. What did you see in Jake Kennedy as a high school athlete? And then what do you see in him now as a, as a teacher coach here at Bell Fountain High? Well, Coach Kennedy had to say that because I was in the room. Um, so <laughs> you weren't actually a great assault. But uh, no, I mean, as an athlete, he's, he's one of the most competitive guys that we've had in my 15 years here. Um, talented, certainly, no doubt talented. But to me, what carried him as a player, as a quarterback, was just he, he's got a fire in his belly. And he was a part of a program his freshman and sophomore year where there wasn't a lot to be fired up about. Um, but he still, you know, was a steady influence on that group of guys um, in a situation where it probably could have fallen apart and hung tough. And then I didn't coach his freshman and sophomore year. I took a couple years off to focus on wrestling, but then came back his junior year, Coach Smith's first year, 
And, you know, that was the thing that, that impressed me immediately was just how hard he would compete, um, how much he truly cared. You know, high school kids have varying levels of caring about what you're doing. Um, I always say, you know, high school kids have a lot on their mind. doesn't mean that they don't want to win, but some certainly more than others. And some give it lip service. And uh, Coach Kennedy certainly didn't give it lip service. It was extremely important to him. And it showed how he, he approached our team. And, you know, as a senior year, we go eight and two and, and lose a tough game in the playoffs to Bellbrook. But what he did after high school was, you know, way more impressive. Um, look back and kick myself that we didn't throw the ball more. I mean, he goes on to Wittenberg and is their all-time leading passer and, you know, um, showed that he could do stuff with his feet as well, which we saw that here um, his senior year. I think he had about 700 yards rushing as a senior. So uh, versatile, leader on the basketball court, uh, leader in the community. Glad to have him back. He had a great career at Wittenberger. And, um, you know, I guess our show kind of focuses on the Chiefs, and that's where people listen to, watch. That's what they come to. But Wittenberg's just down down the road. I'm not sure that many people follow it unless they're really into that that realm of athletics. But he had a great career, maybe one that's, to me, kind of underrated or under-talked about here in our town. Did you see that coming, though? Did you see him with uh, a chance to be a, a, a star player at the next level? I don't know that anybody could ever see being the all-time leading uh, passer coming just because that's just such a huge uh, set of expectations. Certainly not surprised that he went down and, and won the starting job. He might have won it a little quicker maybe than maybe what he even thought. Um, but, yeah, I you know, just knowing – how he approached things, I mean, he wasn't going to go down there and go through the motions. If he was going to do that, he would have gotten out. Um, he doesn't do anything half go. So um, I don't think it's that surprising. Jake, were you? I don't know. This might be a weird question, but are you surprised it worked out so well at Wittenberg? You said your first year you were kind of, eh, but then it really took off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my freshman year, there was multiple instances, especially early on when I first got there. I was missing home like crazy. I was – contemplating quitting and not only that but like changing positions like I was like had it convinced in my mind like I'm just not a quarterback maybe I need to play receiver or something um and all my friends are like dude just relax you're gonna be all right and uh yeah I just stuck it out my biggest thing was the the playbook stuff I was a little bit underdeveloped when it came to like some of the some of the guys there were just in much more of a complex offense and you know play calling and things like that whereas it was kind of wasn't that situation here and when I showed up there I was starting from scratch so that's why I was just getting so frustrated more than anything but once I caught gear it was it was all good two areas I want to wrap up a show with and then coach Ray can jump in there as well but your your experience after college you were a three-year starter at Wittenberg I believe yep then you play professionally over in Europe uh, I don't know much about it. I know you played in Austria. I know you played in Germany. But how does somebody even become a European pro player? Well, it's all through uh, the Internet, uh, mainly. Um, there's, a, there's like a database called EuroPlayers, and it was something I was kind of messing around with in, in the middle of class as a senior. And uh, once we had free time, obviously, I was able to get on the web. And uh, I was on there, and... I came across this website where you could like make a profile, download your highlights and your stats and everything like that. And at first I wasn't just, I kind of was just playing around with it and I ended up doing it. And then, you know, the next thing I know is I got multiple teams like adding me on Facebook and getting on my Euro players and messaging me. And uh, once there was really like major interest, that's when I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I need to give this a try. How many years did you play in Europe? I played two seasons. Okay. And was there a difference on uh, Austria to Germany and how they do it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, as far as the rules go, they both play by, like, American NCAA rules, um, whereas the German league is much more professional in the fact of it kind of gives – it's more of a professional feeling. They play with the NFL ball. Um, there's 16 teams in the league, um, whereas the Austrian league was – I believe there was six teams in it, maybe, or seven. Um, so, to me, it was just like one extra step um, higher would be Germany compared to Austria. Are most of the players from America? No. Um, so, that's where it changes as well. So, in Austria, you're allowed two Americans per team. 
and usually the way they do it is a is a quarterback and then like a safety. Um, and then Germany, you're allowed six Americans, but only four can play in a game and only two on the field at once. If that makes sense, yeah. Okay. Right. So and there's more Americans in Germany. And what made you finally say, you know, no more, you're you're done? Um, well, my body took a pretty good beating. Um, I got it was kind of just a disaster waiting to happen. I got to Germany nine days before our first game because of COVID. Um, so I get in and I got four practices before a game and it was kind of just like playing backyard football to start. And then once we kind of caught our groove a little bit, um, it just, it was a little bit too late and, you know, my body, I, I finally could start to feel the wear and tear on my body. And, um, you know, once I got home, it was kind of like, there was some opportunities here that I couldn't pass up. And I, and I truly, I didn't want to leave my friends and family again, um, Obviously, I at that point I knew um, it was that year to make something really happen to go play like in Canada or you know in America maybe, um, and that didn't happen. So to me, it would have been just kind of wasting my time if I tried to do another season. When did you become a full time Belfound City Schools worker or or get daily work? Um, that would have been literally three days once I got home from Germany was when I was a a full-time sub, and then I accepted the position in the Success Center. Um, fall? The, the fall, right? Was it? Yeah, it was October. early on. Yeah, it was October. October. Okay. All so, right. yeah. And do you think you'll be a Bell Fountain coach? for? I mean, is, uh, this is a tough question. You're only probably 25 years old. But, I mean, is this, you know, long-term, where is this going? This is this is where I want to be. Um, I My family's here. Um, I like the, the staff, and I like – a lot of things about Bell Fountain, and I want to try and enhance those um, with whatever I can do. So I want to be here long-term for sure. And uh, last fall in football, what would you call your role or your position as a coach? Last fall, I mean, I got I got back home probably week seven. So I kind of took over Reed's job. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, uh, I was just kind of there to help with whatever they needed, um, some input, uh, not really anything, just support really. Well, you got to be around Tavy and St. Clair. Yep. And uh, your first thoughts? Yeah, he uh, he's an exceptional talent with uh, with a lot of good tools. Um, this is going to be an important year to, to grow him. Um, he's going to be great regardless, but um, I'm going to take it upon myself and, and try and make him the best he can possibly be. Um, and if that happens, he's, he's going to be someone no one will ever forget. So. What makes him so good? Here we are as a freshman, and he – he played every game, eventually became the starter, I think, in week five or six. What what makes him so good? His arm. Uh, there was you – know, I started working with him in between his seventh and eighth grade year, and this was when in the middle of COVID, and I ended up finding a, like, backyard in the graph where I was able to line up and get some kids to come out there. And uh, he came on board one day – and this was as a seventh grader going into eighth grade with a varsity football and maybe arguably was throwing the best ball. I mean, this kid was 12 or 13 years old, just slinging a varsity football 50 yards. It was at that moment, I'm like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's got something not a lot of people have. I mean, he's got a God-given talent that, uh, I mean, his arm strength is uh, something I've never seen before around here. Wow. Yeah. And what will be your football role going forward? Well, I'll be with the QBs as well as the offensive coordinator. So pressure. If there's any, I mean, other than Coach Brown, if there's any, and Coach Rico talked about this, if there's any coach that probably gets the pressure, it's, right. the, it's the one that calls the plays at any yeah. level. In That's why I read. Much just, about the, I got much about the defense. Was, yeah, able to play call. I got all my play. quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, are you ready for that pressure? Yeah, I'm ready to roll. Okay. And I got, I got a good supporting cast that's going to help me out, so it'll and, be all good. And that transitions into my next thing. This is something that Coach Reed's told me for, oh, I, I don't know, I'd say a, a year maybe, is that Jake Kennedy is a rising star in the coaching ranks. And I want to have Rick talk about this. You, you know more about the coaching than I do. What do you see in him that, that made you say that? Well, you know, some of the stuff I talked about earlier uh, as a player trans, translates to coaching. But, you know, my – Number one concern always is what's best for Chieftain football. I think that for going back many years, hopefully the people that I've worked with here, various different staffs, have known me to be someone that always puts the Chiefs first. Like, 
know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, there's not a lot of ego, not that I don't have ego. I certainly do. I'm sure people think that, but when it comes to what my role is, I don't need a title. Um, I recognized pretty quickly when coach Kennedy came back from wit that he was someone that was an opportunity. We just don't get that often. Um, I know how hard it is to get good young coaches here, whether it be with coach Brown the first time, whether it be coach Schmidt, whether it be coach Smith or coach Brown the second time, I've had many, many, many hours of conversations about who can we get to come in and help us. Um, and we're strong right now as a staff, and I've been around where we weren't as strong. But we do have a good staff right now. There's no doubt about that. But good young talent is just hard to find here because a lot of guys with his talent don't really want to be here. Um, you know, usually they're not from here. And then, you know, we've had some guys over the years. Coach Matt King, you know, is a guy that you know that I think extremely oh, yeah. highly of, which just got hired as the head coach at Valley View. Um, he was a guy that we brought in from the outside. We couldn't keep, uh, uh, Joel Billings is a guy that I thought was really talented as a young guy and wasn't from here, goes to Allen East and he's now the head coach there. So we had an opportunity with coach Kennedy to, you know, try to nail him down. And one of the things for me, the last couple of years of calling the plays, number one, it's just never been something I have a huge passion for. I don't particularly enjoy the pressure of Friday nights calling the plays. Um, I, I'm proud of what we did last year. I'm extremely proud. I'll, I'll, I'll probably say that till the day I die, that um, <laughs> we broke the school record for passing yards. Just Over I want to make sure that is talked about. Over 2000. Um, so for all, all the critics, uh, just remember, and that's a huge credit to our quarterbacks and our receivers, no doubt, but someone did call those plays. Um, I enjoy coaching the offensive line. That's really what – gets me excited when you call the plays coaching the offense line is harder it's just you just can't I like to watch the box and that's it and sometimes I've told coach Kenny you'll see me putting my hand over my eyebrows so that I don't see the ball I don't want to see the ball when I'm coaching the offensive line just because it's distracting I need to know what you know what where the real game's being played and so you know got off track there but with coach Kennedy it's a unique opportunity, someone that's young, someone that's talented, someone that's from here, someone that can be better than me. I don't know. Maybe he'll be better than me this year, I hope. But he's certainly going to be better down the road. Um, when? We'll see. Plus, it allows me to be in the role that I really want to be and that I'm good at, which is coaching the offensive line and helping and focusing on the run game and letting him handle – you know, he's going to coach the quarterback. And it is easier to call plays coaching the quarterback. You look in college football, you look in the pros – Offensive coordinators are so often quarterback coaches. Not that many O-line guys. Uh, you know, you look close to home with Ohio State. We did it one time, and it was a disaster. They hired Ed Warner as the, the O-line slash OC. And it just it's just not a great fit. It does happen sometimes. Sometimes those O-line guys will transition away from it um, and be head coaches. But, you know, Coach Kennedy has a lot of options. Um, you know, he could have – could have kept chasing the football dream. Um, that was he mentioned that that he could have found somebody to pay him to play football. He still can. I mean, he can make a call tomorrow and probably go play football. He could go to college. I'm sure if he called now, Wittenberg just changed coaches, so his staff is gone. But he can call around and get some somebody to to find him a job. So I think it's important for us to make sure that we are proactively recruiting. I mean, this is sales, and I feel like. Teaching wise, he's gotten a niche now. We're trying to, I think, still kind of figure out how that is moving forward. But he's got a role, and then got a job with the basketball team. Got a nice niche there. He's going to call the plays, so that's something that motivates him. It's important to him. It allow him to grow with an incredibly talented offense, an incredibly talented quarterback, and you know, there's just no reason that these next couple years and beyond that we can do some really special things. And I think it's just a matter of putting everybody in a spot where they can be at their best. That was a long answer, but a very good answer. And, you know, what he brings. Does he remind you of anybody else? You know, you it wasn't that long ago, but you were in that sh those shoes as a young coach. Does he remind you of yourself, uh, anybody else you've been around? I think what separates him from a lot of us is his talent physically. Um, 
no one's going to look at me and say, man, he broke the school record at Wittenberg. He played overseas. And that matters. It doesn't matter everything. You can be – I mean, there's examples of guys that weren't great players. That, no doubt. Yeah. Um, it, it happens. But it helps. I always say that it helps to have been a really good player. It gets your foot in the door. It gives you credibility. People take you more seriously, certainly initially. Now, you can screw it up. You can be a really good player and then be a buffoon, and they won't listen to you much longer. But he has that credibility, especially at a position at quarterback where we have a talented quarterback that's trying to get, you know, to where Coach Kennedy's been and beyond. And not everybody can can help Tavian with that. I can't help Tavian with that. I can, you know, do my best at, you know, doing a good job of creating an offense that challenges him. But I can't teach him to be a college quarterback. Coach Brown can't teach him that. He can teach him some fundamental stuff. And Coach Brown is good at that, but – he needs a quarterback coach to coach him on that. And if you look on our schedule, a lot of teams we play don't have that either. They don't, you know, just not, it's not something everyone's got. It's a luxury. In Division Three high school football, you don't have all those elements, and we have a chance here. So you asked me who he reminds me of. He's probably unique on our staff in that regard that he went on and, and had a big-time career. Now, we've had a couple other coaches that did some nice things in college as well, some of them older and maybe it's not top-of-the-mind type stuff. He's also, offenses have changed. And a lot of the guys on our staff still think we should be under center and, uh, you know, running uh, wing back counter <laughs> every play. <laughs> and so uh, we'll see how, how long Stavian stick around if we did that. But um, Coach Kennedy has a more modern, you know, view of what offense can look like. He's, he's going to be creative in a way that will make us better. It's, it's just a no-brainer. Okay, now back to you to wrap it up, Jake. Uh, what do you foresee in a football team? I know that's still a ways away. Here we are in, in February, but what do you think it'll be like in the fall for the team? Um, I'm not going to set an expectation per se, um, but I envision our guys being hungry um, to reach that next level. Um, last year, uh, we ended up upsetting a, a highly ranked Tri-Valley team. Um, you know, My challenge for them is going to be you know, what are you willing to do and what are you willing to go through to get there? So I think they're going to be hungry and they're going to be fired up. I mean, once you taste that feeling of success, it's something, you know, Coach Reed talks about, about it any any time. Of, you know, there's no drug or, you know, drink or magic potion that can give you that feeling that success does. And so hopefully that Tri-Valley, um, that win that we got down there, you know, can elevate us into – getting even hungrier and, and, you know, getting getting to the point and seeing how far we can go with it. So I envision a hungry team, a team that wants to get better every week. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of big expectations for us. Thanks for your time tonight. Yep, thank you. Rick, thanks for putting it together. Thanks to all of our guests on Chieftain Roll Call, presented by Easton Water Solutions on South Main and Bell Fountain. The Bell Fountain High School Key Club has undertaken this project and Chieftain Roll Call will continue throughout the school year to promote Chieftain Athletics and Chieftain students. For all of our folks tonight, Landon Gibbs, who was on the controls, also talked bowling. Rick Ree, Jake Kennedy, Belfound Robotics teams with Austin Hammond and also Oliver Moreland. And Jack Varner, I'm Bill Tipple saying so long on Chieftain Roll Call. <laughs>